right, welcome back to Random Badassery, the podcast dedicated to creativity, and this week dedicated to staying well and keeping our voices from cracking and clearing our throats on the air. My name is Chad Hall, and with me as always is Lam Wen. Hello. This week is our tools and techniques. I always want to say tools and tips. Every time I want to say tools and tips. Right now, uh, my tools and tips for this episode are bone broth, some gypsy cold care tea, and some water with airborne in it because I'm fighting something back. What, what's the stuff, uh, the, the hemp oil stuff that you, uh, you send me? Oh, it's CBD oil. So I've been reading a lot about this CBD oil, the effects that it has now. I'm not an expert, so obviously, and I'm definitely not a doctor. Um, though I did go to the doctor the other day, and she asked me if I was in medicine, which means I'm probably reading WebMD too much. Um, <laughs> huh. uh, the CBD oil is supposed to be very good. It's first, first of all, CBD is like an abbreviation for cannabis oil. It is from the marijuana plant, but it is not from the actual marijuana plant. It's from the hemp plant. I'm not sure the relation between hemp and marijuana in the sense that um, some people have told me there are different strains. Other people have told me one's male, one's female. I know nothing about this stuff. Um, all I know is that this this CBD oil is from hemp that I got. It's made by Bluebird Botanicals. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um and it doesn't have any THC in it because it's from the hemp plant. So there's no um, mind-altering effects, if you will. But the effects that it has for health-wise, supposedly, these are not from personal experience because I'm only on my second day with it, supposed to reduce inflammation in the body. It's good for uh, IBS. It's good for back pain. It's good for uh, arthritis, um, diabetes, apparently. Um, some people have claimed it's good for Alzheimer's. I don't know because I don't have that. Um, but it's, it's also good for anxiety and depression. What I haven't figured out yet is the dosage. Um, I bought a very small vial. I bought a one third of an ounce, um, just because I I bought as small as I could to try it out. Cause I don't know, you know, if I'm going to have effects from it and I've been doing about one or two drops a day under my tongue. It's uh sublingual. So I don't know, maybe in the future I will have more on that. But uh, I sent you that link about about it for IBS and for stomach pain. So it's definitely worth trying, I would say. Yeah, and I get the sense that um, in the long run it'll be because it, you know all of these things, especially when it comes to stressors in our life, are all um, cumulative. So removing the stress from one particular thing will definitely ultimately reduce the effect of stress on uh, most of the other things, or just in your general life as well. Um, I think for for me, because of what I've been going through lately. Um, what I want to focus on this episode, at least from my side, is is trying to figure out better ways to be well, um, to reduce the anxiety and reduce the stress in your life uh, without completely just, you know, um, uh, growing out your hair, tying your hair in a ponytail and going up into the mountains and basically lighting up some patchouli and, and thanking the Earth Mother. Um, most of us don't have the option to just completely abandon our lives and go to a stress-free place where we can all kind of peace out a little bit. So um, for me, I, I, I wanted to, to touch uh, not just on the things that I'm using, but the, the, the spaces I created for myself, as well as the tools that I use on a daily basis to go to those spaces, even if I can't leave my present environment. So yeah, man, um, the, the CBD oil kind of leads right into that. I'm, I, I'm also, um, you know, based on your recommendation, I've got a, a shipment of that stuff headed my way as well. 
Um, I got a bigger dosage just because I kind of assumed that, you know, considering the number of people I know who who use it and like it and say that it has pretty great um, effects, um, I want to give it a, a good shot over the next couple of weeks to see if it really does help to de-stress me quite a bit. I will try to find um, some more, I don't want to use the word necessarily, but scientific links to share with um, everybody in the comments or in the show notes. So you guys can kind of use that as a diving board to investigate yourself. Always look on your own, make your own decisions, of course. Um, I also will put links to last week's um, Back to Work and this week's Back to Work where they both talk about um, what they've learned about CBD oil. It's a more conversational. It might be a better jumping off point than diving into more scientific articles right away. And if you find interest from what they're talking about, then maybe you can investigate further. But uh, I'm all about alternatives to um, pharmaceuticals, to be honest, because I feel like uh, we've reached a point in this country, um, can't speak for the rest of the world, but I assume it's not too different, where pharmaceutical companies rule this, rule everything around us and uh, to the point that we don't know what's true and what's not true. Uh, when you watch actual television that's not streaming, one out of three commercials is for some stupid ass medicine um, that that has side effects that are more frightening than the symptom that they're covering up. So anything that can come from plants or from exercise or meditation to help anything in our lives, I'm all for. And I think that that anybody that's creative, anybody that's in the creative fields understands anxiety and stress. I feel like to some degree there's a... <laughs> There's a neuroticism to every creative person, which is what breaks us out of that standard mold. But also when talking about tech, too, it's, it's anxiety, people, all that kind of stuff. So I'm rambling. Well, I am. Throw out the lifesaver. <laughs> well, for me, it's about healthy habits. And I think that's the biggest thing that people ignore, um, you know, for, for because of how, quote unquote, busy we are these days in our respective lives. Um, people have a tendency to try to find quick solutions, um, you know, something that doesn't break them out of what they're presently doing um, in order to help them with their anxiety or their stress when um, the the biggest culprit for the anxiety and the stress is the thing that you're doing. So for me, uh, I've been focusing on trying to, to figure out a way to create healthy habits for myself. You know, when it comes to eating, for example, um, or how I work, how long I work, uh, what thoughts I have when I do work. So it's all about creating healthy habits. Um, for example, um, this is something I actually learned from Crystal, which is actually pretty effective. Um, if you want to digest your food better, uh, you have to give yourself a good 15 to 20 minutes before you start eating a meal to kind of settle out of a stressful, um, adrenaline-fueled, adrenaline-fueled, acidic, um, um, you know, pace. Uh, the type of person or the type of environment that you're in will greatly dictate that. So whenever it is that I go to lunch at work, for example, I, I will force myself 15 to 20 minutes before I actually go and eat my food, um, I'll force myself to get into a much calmer place. So I'll go lock myself in my office, um, throw on some headphones, and listen to a pre-made playlist of songs. Um, I actually have four different playlists that I consistently use for this um, just because I don't want to want it to get repetitive. Um, but the, the, the playlists themselves act as a trigger for me. And I think that the biggest thing that I want to uh, I, I share with everybody on this episode is triggers and how important they are. Um, and it's not just triggers. We have plenty of triggers for bad reasons. You know, when someone honks a horn, 
um, when someone gets crazy at work or, or, or a certain type of person in your life that causes you stress or anxiety, those are triggers in a negative, uh, in a negative way. Um, so a lot of what you need to do in order to de-stress or what I'm doing in order to de-stress is to create uh, triggers that put me in a more artistic space or a more relaxing space or a more calm space. And so, um, you know, I've, I've created quite a few tools for that for myself as well. I feel like uh, you're absolutely right that, that a lot of these bad habits, a lot of this anxiety, at least in my experience, obviously, I can't speak for everybody, but I do think it's consistent from everything that I've read about other people with anxiety. It is all habit. You've built yourself into this habit of being stressed. You've built yourself into the habit of dealing with things in a way that turns your stomach. You've built yourself into a habit of uh, chewing your fingernails. Um, any of those, any of those nervous things that you do, um, all the way up to hypochondria and probably to some degree psychosis. Um, it's all built from being in a pattern. And anything that you can do to break yourself out of that, like uh, Tony Robbins does a lot of stuff about snapping people out of state, moving from state to state. Um, the purpose of meditation is to take you to another state. So all of these things is to break you out of, if, if you imagine um, grooves in the road, uh, back when they used to have wagons um, in dirt roads, there would be grooves in the road for the wagons. This is actually how we have the exact width that cars are to this day because they're built on the axles of chariots and wagons um, because there was these, there were these grooves in the road. And if you got your wheels in the groove, uh, you couldn't turn out of it because it was deep enough that kept the wheel in. Uh, the purpose for that was to make it almost like uh, cruise control. Um, you know, you, you, they didn't have to steer much as long as the horse was pulling, the cart would kind of go along. Uh, but that's where we get the phrase stuck in a rut or, all of uh, all of that kind of analogy and when you're in there you got to think about your mindset is you're in that groove you're right in there and we usually use groove as a good thing but this is um this is a bad case of that where you're stuck in there and you don't know how to get out of it and all you all you know how to do is keep moving forward in the same rut so you got to find things that pull you out of there um i i would love if you could maybe make a document or a pdf with just your playlist um with your playlist for suggestions for people on on songs sure um and then please elaborate more and you know with the the songs too you have to carefully choose them as well um because the the when i went on the quest to create these playlists i ah, forget where i read it um i i bounced through a whole bunch of articles on this stuff but one of the important things to create um, when it comes to your playlist in, in particular, for example, is it can't remind you of anything else. Um, so, you know, it can't be a song that you really liked when you were in high school or a song that, um, you know, reminded you of an ex-girlfriend or whatever it may be because it clouds the, the, the emotional state um, or at least it, it clouds the objectivity of it. So I went and found completely random um, songs that I, I, I hadn't really ever heard before. So... Um, you know, I really kind of liked Debussy when I was younger. Um, so I found some piano pieces and some concertos and stuff like that. I also found some some obscure songs from artists that I really like, like, I, uh, you know, some old Porter Says songs or, or, or you know, even from last week, uh, um, our, our previous episode, I found some Bjork songs that I hadn't really associated with anything. So for me, the the playlists are diverse enough that I don't get bored. Um, uh, even within the the individual playlist, there's about four songs per playlist. 
Um, and each of them is very different from from the previous. So yeah, I'll go. I'll put up um, a couple, um, and I'll send them your way as well. I'll also post one on Instagram so you guys can take a look at it. Um, but the one thing that that I don't think people really pay a lot of attention to is it's not just the mindset, um, because the mindset is only the trigger itself. Um, there's a physical reaction to the trigger that is ultimately what's what what's the damaging thing to your physical form. Um, so for example, when I go to work, um, before I even set foot in the door, uh, my adrenal glands are already going 90 miles an hour because I always feel like when I go to work, I'm going to be putting out fires or dealing with a problem or helping to problem solve or, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, your adrenal glands are there to, to heighten your sense of awareness, to, to speed up your, your ability to see the world and to slow things down so that you can react to them more quickly. The problem is your body needs to not be in that state constantly. Um, because otherwise, you can actually break your adrenal glands um, in the sense that your adrenal glands will just go all the time, and that means that your body is going to be tight all the time. Um, and it makes it hard to do things like digest food, for example, which has been my biggest problem. Um, so in in doing this and creating relaxing space and enforcing myself to get out of that space, um, it's been it's been very helpful in 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 helping me to kind of as you would say, you know, bust myself out of the rut. Um, for example, I have a, I, I put a little black dot on uh, the inside of my right wrist, um, and I have an alarm that goes off on my phone once every hour to hour and a half. And whenever that happens, I, I it forces me to look at the little black dot, and it reminds me to kind of go somewhere and kind of relax for a couple of minutes, so I can break the cycle of being in that constant state of alert, um, you know, constant state of fight or flight. Um, and do, just doing that over the last couple of weeks has helped me so much. <laughs> it's it's odd how how such a little thing has such a dramatic effect. And it's funny because it it, it also affects things that I wouldn't expect. Like it, it, it doesn't just help me in work, but it also helps me to create better art, to do better design. Um, for example, when I, I do my solo podcast, because solo podcasts are, are at least to me, they're much more difficult because it's it's a one way conversation. I definitely have to force myself to get into a different space before I can before I can have that that kind of conversation with myself. What I th I think uh, you would find very interesting, and I'm gonna put this in for in the show notes for all of the people listening as well. Um, there's a there's a woman named Jane McGonigal. She wrote this book called Super Better about gamification. Brilliant book. Um, uh, sorry, gamification of life for benefits. That would also be worth looking into. But her sister is also a brilliant woman. Her name is Kelly McGonigal, and Kelly McGonigal did a TED Talk on how we understand stress completely wrong. And what she and some of her fellow researchers have discovered that it's not being in a high-stress state that is actually bad for the body, even though we've been told this for the last 10 to 15 years. What they found is it's at our, our interpretation of that state. So um, what, sure. they've, what they've discovered is that people who are in high-stress situations that see it as beneficial, that don't think of it as a bad thing. Instead, they see it as, I'm excited, I'm, I'm engaged. Um, the, the window with which they view it have similar health benefits to people who are zened out and at peace all the time. Um, so you can operate at a high-stress level, quote-unquote high-stress. A high-activity level is probably a better way to say it. If you are going into it with a positive mindset, um, when it is, it's often what is detrimental to us is not actually the activities 
or the physiological responses, it's our interpretations. Um, when we go into things with a negative mindset, we're actually, it's, it's the way our brain works, guys. This is not um, crazy woo-woo stuff. This is actual brain science that we're talking about here. The, the purpose of the brain and the reason that we have an imagination is to uh, protect us. It's, it's, it's an instinctual thing. So, for example, uh, your imagination is meant to let you run scenarios through your head uh, before they happen so that you can be prepared. It's an evolutionary thing. Um, you see a lion. Your brain can think of all the things that lion can do to you. Why is that beneficial? Because then you know how to better deal with the situation if it were to come up. Um, but the thing about that is, is our body and our mind are so tied and, uh, the body is stupid because that's why we have a brain, right? Cause the body has no intelligence. So when we imagine things, when we, when we put ourselves into these states, our, our body doesn't know the difference. Our, our body doesn't know that we're just pretending that we're just imagining. Uh, so it has the physiological response to mental stimuli as if it was really happening. If you lay down and uh, imagine that you're drowning in some way your body is preparing to drown um, it, it happens on a very subtle cellular level obviously you're not going to start filling with liquid and things like that but um, it actually happens on a cellular level and uh, there's been studies and studies that have proved this over and over again even to the um, opposite degree where they found that uh, some athletes if they imagine training it's almost as beneficial as when they actually train, if they vividly imagine this training, um, because the the brain will keep the muscle tone up and uh, things. It's it's crazy what our brain can do is basically what I'm saying. And uh, how what story you tell yourself, the way that you um, create these things in your mind, is eventually what is going to lead you down one path or another. That's why it's important to get out of that rut because that rut is, um, there's no thought in that rut. You're in a habit. You know what's in, you know what's incredible about the last four minutes of you talking. Like I, I want to high five you right now. Like if you were anywhere close to me, I would probably do that. What led me down this entire path was that TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> I found that that Kelly McGonigal TED talk almost exactly two weeks ago, and I've been. Almost every habit that I'm describing to all of you now is a habit that comes from interpreting what she said in that TED Talk. For example, um, you know, I play ice hockey um, and, you know, obviously if anyone who, who, who knows me well knows that I'm psychotically obsessive about golf. Um, and those are two very stressful things. Um, you know, ice hockey, for example, you have um, a little vulcanized piece of rubber flying around at around 80 miles an hour and people are trying to hit you with sticks um, while you're basically flying around on razor blades. So that's a pretty stressful environment. That's essentially Thunderdome. Um, and so, but, but there's an excitement that I have in that environment. There's, 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 there's a happiness and a positivity that I have in that environment because I, I enter into that environment with that attitude in tow. Um, and the same thing on the golf course. The golf course is a little different because the pace is obviously a lot slower, um, but there is definitely a piece that I have with my anxiety, uh, um, my stress, um, in, in that environment that creates a very positive feeling for me. And so what I've been trying to do in all of these habits in these other environments is to reproduce that mentality in those environments. For example, when I go to work these days, there are no problems, only challenges. And I know a lot of people say that, and it's something that you and I talk 
about quite a bit, but you really have to internalize what that statement actually means. You know, you have to think of what the positive outcome of solving a problem is in order to see it as a challenge, because in doing that, you don't see the problem itself. You see the desired outcome and everything between where you are and the desired outcome is just things that you have to do to produce a positive effect. And so, you know, it's, it's, I, I really, really do want to high five you just because, yeah, that, that TED talk for anyone who, for anyone who, who lives in the Silicon Valley or, or anyone in general who has a high stress job, um, that, that TED talk is, is something that will greatly modify your feeling like just because it's stressful, it doesn't mean it has to be bad. The choice of good or bad is up to the individual and not not the choice of the thing itself. You know, like you said, you know, our bodies, um, our tasks, all the rest of those things are dumb. Those things those things have no emotion associated with them. They have no 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 preconceived notion associated with them. That's what we do as humans. That's what our brains allow us to do in both a good and a bad way. Right. I mean, like, think about boxers. <laughs> you don't hear a lot about <laughs> boxers with uh, anxiety. Uh, and they're in a ring getting hit in the face. I mean, that's about as stressful as it could get. You're actually, your physiological response, if your body had that much power over your mind, then being punched in the face, being physically attacked, is about as panicked as a body can get other than actually dying. Um, and you don't hear a lot about uh, boxers with uh, anxiety issues and having to take uh, beta blockers to relax. And because they've trained their bodies to um it's a lot of the reason we do this training stuff right we build habits um because our body can we can use this rut stuff that our body is um so willing to be a part of and our brain is so willing to be a part of we can use it to our advantage so you can build these patterns uh healthy patterns that happen without you required to put any thought into it so they can react to those scenarios in a calm relaxed manner with their brain but their body is going to respond in a fast, rapid manner because it's trained to move quickly. Um, yeah, like and like you said, and like like it clearly illustrates in that TED talk, like it's, stress is not necessarily a bad thing. It's like all of these words that we've thrown negative connotations towards, like the word manipulation, for example. Um, the word manipulation is not inherently bad. Um, for example, if you're a manager at work, which I am, for example, and you can manipulate your entire group of employees to to all be positive towards a certain task or a certain uh, issue within your working environment, then that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, the word stress, for example, just means, you know, a, a heightened sense of awareness and and, and a particular, um, it, I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally making up this definition based on what I think stress is, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's something bad. Whether it's good or bad is purely up to the individual and the choices they make within that environment. Right. I mean, manipulate just means to use something in a skillful manner. Yeah. Um, now, when applied to people, people usually interpret that in a negative way because people don't want to be thought of as a tool, something that can be used in a skillful manner. Um, but if you sure. were manipulating a forklift, <laughs> you'd be kicking some butt. Um, you know, that means that you're you're driving it in a, in a manner. I have forklifts on my mind because of the beeping. From the from the garbage was, trucks. Earlier. I was going to ask you <laughs> at the very at the very beginning of this episode, or before we started recording, just to give some people some backstory. We had a weird buzzing noise, and we had some some sirens and and beeping going off in the background. So it sounded like we were behind a Home Depot. <laughs> um, and like you said about stress too. Um, for example, do you know why green tea is good for you? Because it stresses your body. Huh. 
The reason that fasting, intermittent fasting, is beneficial to you because it stresses your body. Um, stress is not a bad thing. It's how you interpret it. Stress is important. Exercise is stress. The reason that you build muscle is because you rip and tear the muscle, and then it has to build itself back up. And when it builds up, it builds up bigger. And then you rip and tear it down again. As stress, every time you run, you're breathing faster. And we know that uh, to some degree that uh, the more you breathe, uh, the less breaths you have eventually in the long run of your life. So the faster you breathe, the 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 closer you're moving towards death. But at the same time, you're building up your heart. You're building up your lungs. So we're actually extending our life. It's It's this weird balance with the body. But stress itself is not a bad thing. It is what we allow stress to do. Um, not to mention him again, because I'm not like, uh, some devotee, but, uh, Tony Robbins talks about how to deal with these things. He says, get curious. And I think that that's a really good thing for creative people to think about as well. Um, not only just with stress, but with, um, writer's block or, um, artist block and things like that is get curious. In other words, start asking questions, look at, look at what's going on. And instead of assuming, you know, what's going on, instead of, uh, building this story, these, um, uh, oh, my, my, my leg hurts. Okay. That means this, that means this you're building a story there. Instead, ask questions. What happens if I move my leg here? What happens if I do this? What is, you know, like really start digging into things and it takes you into a different place with your mind because when you get curious, uh, you engage mentally and you engage emotionally, uh, if you're lucky. And when you engage mentally and emotionally, you can break yourself out of a rut because the purpose of a rut is to not engage to be on autopilot. And there's also something to be said for, for problem solving, even from a physical spectrum as well. For example, you know, as of late, I've been having um, issues with my right wrist. Um, and of course, given that I play both ice hockey and golf um, as, as two very common things, like every single week I'm, I'm doing both of those things. So not being able to move my right wrist the way I need it to is pretty problematic. Um, and so for me, it's about trying to figure out ways, for example, get curious on what you can do to get around that particular thing in order to make it so you can continue doing the things that you want to do. Um, and that's, that's true for almost everything too. It doesn't specifically have to be about a sport or an activity, but it can be towards something like art. For example, if you can't write a particular type of character, or if you're not great at setting, or if you're not great at any particular thing, what is it that you are good at? And what is it that you can do to use the thing that you're good at to help augment the thing that you're not good at? Um, like with me, for example, the tangible example for me is on the golf course. I These days, in, in order to be the best golfer that I can be, I don't think about what I can't do anymore. I think about what I want to do, what I want to achieve. For example, anyone who plays golf will, will be able to relate to this, which is if you're standing at the tee box and you're staring at a flag and you've got water on the right-hand side and you say in your mind, don't hit it in the water, chances are you're probably going to hit it in the water. But instead, if you go up there and you say, hit the ball to the left, it's all about thinking about what you want to do and the positive connotation versus thinking about the negative result of doing something badly. And I think that you can't underestimate the 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 power of changing that mindset. It, it dramatically changes how you approach your problems and how you take that stress and you turn it into something that's positive. Where you focus, that's that's where you're gonna go. It's just exactly. a fact. You know, <laughs> so if you think about if you think about the water, you're gonna hit it in the water. <laughs> it's like when you when you were learning how to drive. Did did they tell you? You know, if you're ever like s swerving towards a wall, not to look at the wall. 
Because if you look at the wall, you will crash into the wall. You're going to drive right into it. Yeah, sure. And, and <laughs> it makes sense. You know, like if you're attracted to a woman in a room, do you look at everybody else? No, you look at the woman. <laughs> yeah, of course. You, you, you look at that thing or that person. She's not a thing. But you look at that. Uh, the Whatever you're focusing on is what you should be looking at. Because what you focus is, is going to direct you. It's going to direct your energy. It's going to direct everything. Um most creativity is attributed over time to genius. And I think genius to some degree is a fiction. I think that in reality is most of the great art in the world were created by two things, limitations and creativity. I mean, it's not creativity, curiosity. Sorry. Um, for example, the Beatles, the Beatles really wanted to sound like Chuck Berry and, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. That, that was the stuff that they were into. That's what they wanted to do. Guess what? They sucked at it. They weren't good at it. Uh, so they had that limitation that they weren't able to make that sound. So instead, they got curious of how they could make different sounds. What can we, can, can we get close here? Can we get close here? Um, and they asked themselves those questions. And what they ended up with was creating, which is a hard thing to say, but the Beatles sound. Um, and the reason I say it's a hard thing to say is if you look at their albums Every single one is completely, uh, drastically different than the one before it. Uh, and that's, that's from creativity and limitations, aiming for something, not being able to get exactly that. If we, if, as, if artists, if we created exactly what we set out to create every time, our art would be boring. It's, it's when we fail, it's when we, um, it's when somebody tries to draw something and it doesn't come out exactly the way it is in their head that we start calling that their style. Uh, cartoons. What is, what is a cartoon? A cartoon is uh, essentially the idea of somebody doing a quick representation of something, an interpretation of it, and uh, not doing a complete uh, portrait of a person, if you will. Now, some people can do portrait art. Um, and to be honest, it's amazing to look at their talent but how many pictures of that can you look at before going okay but why wouldn't you just use a camera and get it done faster uh not to insult anybody who does that art because i strive for that level of skill but uh, it's not about when people do portraits and they're successful at it portrait drawings it's not about the fact that they can draw well it's about the composition of the photo it's about the face and the expression that they that they put on the person's face. It's about the colors that they use. That's where the real creativity comes in for them. Um, so bringing that back to anxiety and all of these other things, your limitations are things that you need to interpret differently. Um, when when things go not the way that you want, that's when your creativity and your curiosity you need to engage those. Instead of uh, making these, often we make these decisions where I can't do that. Or every time I do that, uh, I feel this way. Um, this freaks me out. This stresses me out. All of those are decisions that you've made. These are patterns that you're making. These are uh, behaviors that you're reinforcing. Um, so the first step in all of this, which uh, Lamb talked about briefly, but like I really want to drive this point home, is the first step is recognizing all of it, seeing what's there. Like seeing what you're doing. So like I would say before you try anything, take one week with a piece of paper at your side and write down every time you recognize a bad habit, a bad pattern, and just recognize them. It's funny that you say that because it's 
the, the patterns and the habits are the easiest things to fall into. Um, and I think for both good and bad reasons, I positive habits are, are, are more difficult. Um, well, they, I, I won't say they're more difficult. They're just less present. Um, if you don't incorporate them into your life, um, without consciously thinking about it. And the, the exercise that you're talking about, for example, um, is really important because it, I, I did it in order to recognize the things in my life that I wasn't doing anymore that were positive because there was a point in my life, uh, maybe a year or two ago where, um, I didn't have any physical ailments where I didn't have any, a, any issues on a day to day basis when it came to how I was dealing with, with my work or with life. Um, and I kind of had to fall back on that, um, in order to figure out how and why, um, I had fallen into a different space. And a lot of it came down to brain habits. It wasn't the physical habits at all. It you know falls along the same lines of what we're talking about, which is we I, I started to think of things in a very different way. Um, and I started to think of them as problems. And I started to deal with them negatively. And it affected every part of my life. Uh, I'm not just talking about work, but it affected uh, you know the way I played hockey, the, the way I wrote, um, the way I, I worked on the podcast. Um, it affects everything. Um, and I think that you know, as 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 fluffy and 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 hippie as it sounds, having a positive mindset um, cannot it can't just be towards particular things. It has to just be in general, because I think if you try to to have um, positive mindsets just towards particular aspects of your life, then your brain will balance it out with the negative things that you have in your life. So positivity is a choice that has to be all encompassing or not at all. And I think that that's the hardest part for me to internalize um, and for me to really grasp um, as a creative person um, is that I have to somehow hold on to that positivity through everything. And that's what changes um, all of the things that I do and how I react to them. And I would say to, in all honesty, get hippy dippy, be that weirdo. You know why? Because they're happy. <laughs> People with that mindset are actually happy. And there's nothing noble about squirting acidic liquid out of every orifice in your body and throwing up uh, or feeling like you're going to throw up every time you <laughs> eat and having nervous tics. You know what? None of that's cool. You, you, None of it's awesome. None of it's pleasant. None of it's fun. I'd rather have the bun that you were talking about and the, the weird crazy pants. Uh, I, I want to be an old hippie. If I can, you know, I have to outlearn all the cynicism that I've built up um, in in my life to this point. And I want to end up that way. I want to end up that blissed out person. I, I had a revelation about that um, earlier this week, which is I think I think cynicism is cowardice. Um, and I think I think cynicism is 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 a way to dismiss and a way to make assumptions about the world that that means that you don't you no longer have to deal with it. Um, and I, I really do think that that at least on some level, um, that cynicism is the intellectual form of fear that we create to justify that fear. Absolutely. Cynicism is complete cowardice because as cynicism is no different uh, than orthodoxy or um, judgmentalism or prejudice because all of it is prejudice. You're prejudging something. You're making a decision that something uh, is a certain way. Um, the reason that... that all of this positive mindset stuff works out at its core is because it's all open. It remains open. You're open to things. It's when you start, we've talked about this. Was it two episodes ago? Um, the idea of keeping things open because when you close yourself off, um, things stop working. Uh, you have to leave things open, be open-minded, understand people, you know, try to understand people. 
And one of the best tools for all of this stuff to keep yourself in that positive mindset is to focus on gratitude. I'm sure we've mentioned it many, many times in this show, but it sounds like such a ridiculous thing. But literally, if you go through and look at every self-help guru, you look at every psychologist, you look at anybody with any clout that talks about things like this, anybody that's successful in business, you'll find that 90 to, I'd say 98% of them will all mention gratitude as as an important and powerful tool. Even somebody as um, high functioning, uh, not high functioning, high activity, almost stressful seeming as Gary Vaynerchuk mm-hmm. will tell you that gratitude is the number one power, most powerful tool. And and that's somebody who is able to operate at that stress level without um, having the, the negative detrimental effects because he sees that state as a positive thing. He functions high level there. So gratitude is it's it's looking at the things around you and, and just like simple things. All you have to do, like th- find three things a day that are really that are unique to that day that you're recognizing that are cool. You know, like, hey, it's I'm really grateful today that I can sleep in a warm bed under a roof without rain and snow on my head. That's pretty awesome. And just dwell in that for a minute and feel it. It's not just listing these things, guys. That's that's a lot of the thing that gets breezed over. Is you have to feel it. Actually live in that gratitude for a moment and really think about what that means and feel it. This is almost a meditation exercise. Um, maybe another thing. You know what I'm grateful for right now? I'm grateful that I have a, a, a wonderful podcast partner that we can have conversations like this and that people can listen. And I can feel that gratitude because it's, it's, it's a powerful thing. And when, when you start generating that in your body, it, it's going to blossom. And when, when you're building that inside your body, it's going to spread to the other things. And that's the problem with a lot of these um, de-stressing techniques and all of these anxiety techniques that people teach you is almost all of them are teaching you to focus on the anxiety, which is the exact opposite of what you want to do. You want to ignore the anxiety. You want to let it go. You want to think it's insignificant. You want to think it's funny. You want to find it amusing. Take its power away. And the strongest way to take its power away is to focus on things that are great and beautiful and wonderful. Look at the people around you. Appreciate them. Do things for them. Uh, build that positivity in yourself. And all of this stuff, I, I, I know we're going in different directions here, guys, but all of this stuff is tied into creativity because you cannot create with a consistent manner, art or work for that uh, difference of logistics there, you can't create without having a good mindset. If you're in a sh- Sorry, gonna have to bleep myself there. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in a crappy, anxiety-ridden state, you're not gonna make anything. So it's to your benefit to create, to have a happy, positive mindset. If anything, too, and, and this will lead into the stuff that we're, we're going to eventually cover about actual tools, um, have a fascination with your tools again. And I think that's something that, that we get too bogged down in, um, you know, especially with Chad and I, considering the, the number of technical difficulties that we've had to fight our way through for the podcast, um, is that there's definitely a positivity in, in, in using your tools the way they're meant to be used or figuring out different ways to use your tools as well. Um, you know, there, it, it's not, it's, 
sure, it's 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 easy to say um, find the positivity in the world and use that to anchor yourself and use it to propel yourself towards creating. Um, but to have physical anchors, to have physical triggers, I, I'm so focused on triggers these days because they're so effective for me. Um, but having those things definitely makes it much much easier for you to find, um, you know, a path towards being able to 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 switch your brain into a positive mindset. So I, I guess ultimately the, the final thing for me, and I think that the more effective way to, to, to state all of this stuff, at least for me, is stress is stress. Stress is going to be a part of your life whether you like it or not. And, and those moments in which you have those stressors um, are going to sometimes creep up on you. Uh, sometimes you kind of preset the environment in order for you to have those stressors. But regardless of, of which of those may be the case, the more important thing to keep in mind is that what you do with that stress, how you perceive it, and how you choose to deal with it is, is up to you. And it's very, very simple. Um, you know, you don't have to think of any complicated solutions or any, any creative mindsets to, to, to do this. It's just either negative or positive. It's either negative or it's positive. And if it's negative, you're focusing on the problem. And if it's positive, you're focusing on the solution. And that's the simplest way I can put it. And also one, one other thing on this topic before we move forward which I feel like uh, we're steering that way. Um, triggers is only one third of it. Remember, um, the middle part is the habit and the end part is the reward. So when you're focusing on triggers, make sure that you're focusing on rewards as well. So when you reward good behavior, that's reinforcing it so that you can build healthy, positive habits um, that will last. Uh, good stuff. I love, I love when we talk about this stuff, to be honest. <laughs> I, I hope that everybody listening gets benefit from this because I, I could talk about this stuff all day. Um, I'm just fascinated by the brain. Well, uh, this is definitely... Uh, I don't think that we the transition between these two is as smooth as we thought it was going to be. Um, but this is a change in gears, and that's okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> that was techniques, guys, and welcome to tools. <laughs> I bought an iPad Pro. Yeah, let's stick with the plan. Hey, Chad, how's your iPad Pro? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, I don't even you know. I've been I've been excited to talk about this. I've had the iPad Pro for two weeks. About um, I've been since like the the second day I knew I was going to talk about it on here, and it's I've, I've gone through a lot of changes um, in the last two weeks, which is nice because it gives me time to have digested the device a little bit more before we went into it. But yet, with all this prep time and stuff, I have no idea where to begin. <laughs> well, I, I guess I, I have very specific questions about it. So, so I, I guess I, I'll lead you down the path. Um, let's start from a productivity angle. I mean, I know that at least on some level, the, the iPad is meant to replace a lot of different devices for you and to basically give you one command center to do a lot of the stuff that you want to do. So how, is, how has it achieved that? Pretty good. Um, from an overall standpoint, without going too much into... Mechanics, I would say that um, by no fault of the iPad itself, um, it can't do 100% of the things that I need it to, um, and that's software limitations. There's just certain things that um, people, I guess people ha weren't prepared for the power of the iPad fully, so they didn't prepare it to do, like for example, there's a lot of web stuff that needs to be done still to uh, be prepared for touch interfaces. Um, one of my clients, I do some email, email stuff for them in a client called Emma. Uh, and 
you can't really do much of it with it in Safari, mobile Safari with touch. Uh, you, certain pages, certain things won't scroll, so you can't move down. Um, so that's frustrating. You know, you have to go to the desktop, desktop for stuff like that. Um, one big, big boo-boo or one big crappy point uh, that I did find so far was that uh, it's really hard to do very basic graphic design on the iPad, which you would think it would be the perfect thing for it because you want to resize something. You have your fingers. And once again, this is the problem with this is, is software. Um, I was trying to make a flyer. Um, wanted to make four squares on an eight and a half by 11, right? So I wanted to divide the page into fourths. So I need something that gives me uh, rules, rulers, right? So you can create guides. Um, so I found something that did that. Um, but then it wouldn't let me color the background. I needed to change the color of the background. Wouldn't let me do that. So I had to find another app to go and and paint the color of the background and then take that picture, import it into the one that let, lets me use guidelines. But then that one wouldn't let me resize photos. So I had to resize the photos somewhere. It was a nightmare. Um, what did I end up doing was going to the computer, <laughs> doing all the stuff I couldn't do on the iPad, and then just doing the finishing touches on the iPad. So... Until, and surprisingly, a lot of those softwares that I had the issues with were Adobe. Um, they've parsed out basically Photoshop into like, I don't know, 15 different apps. And it's it's a little t- ridiculous. They could have combined them a little bit more. You know, like, okay, photo editing you can do in this app. All the graphic design stuff people use Photoshop for can be done in this app. Instead of, oh, if you want to do this, you have to do this one particular thing in this app. Um, but anyways, that, uh, other than that, going back to the word you use productivity, um, it's wonderful having a device that you can do so many different things on, uh, in such a tiny package. Um, I got the 9.7 because the 12.9 was, even though the screen real estate would have been very nice, um, and a full size keyboard would have been very nice. I couldn't see myself carrying that sucker around all the places I do. And I definitely couldn't imagine holding it with one hand and sketching, which I've been doing a lot of on the iPad with that big 12.9 inch screen. It's just, it's too big. It's, it's like trying to draw on a laptop. So the nine, the, the, the 9.7 is a great size. Uh, that, that's one of the things that actually kind of kept me from even considering the, the iPad nine point, the 9.7 screen is that keyboard. But you say you've actually had a good time typing on that thing. I'm surprised. Um, we did talk about this briefly. I, I actually love it. The one flaw I have with it, and I think it's because it's a smaller size, is my pinkies don't naturally land on the shift buttons. So capitalization is taking a little getting used to. Uh, so QWERTY typing is a little tough. Uh, the, the actual letters works fine for me on this size. I don't have too much of a problem. That didn't take much adjustment. It's literally just the shift keys. Got it. Um. But that might be just, I'm not a trained typer. It might just be my gimpy way of moving my fingers around. <laughs> I tend to do the ASDF thing mixed with two-finger hunting. Uh, oh, speaking of productivity, I... Well, it's good. We're going to go into a little nerdy stuff here for a second. But for those who haven't been paying attention, Wonderlist, which is what Lamb and I were both using, is going away. 
um, which we kind of predicted. Um, was it three episodes ago? Four episodes yeah, ago? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Maybe it was an Apparama episode. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it's going away because Microsoft To Do is here, and Microsoft To Do sucks. <laughs> I don't know how they could have started with something like Wonderlist and gone so far wrong. I feel it's amazing. <laughs> I feel bad for the developers because it is the same developers that created Wonderlist, and from a design point of view, Microsoft To Do is beautiful. Um, the animations are smooth. Um, it works better than pretty much every other Microsoft program. Um, it's not complex, but unfortunately what they did was they took Wonderlist and granted, take some of this judgment with a grain of thought, uh, fault. Wow. Oh. <laughs> all, all, all of a sudden I have a lisp. Um, with a grain of salt because uh, this is Microsoft to do is in preview mode. So it's it's not, I hate preview and beta mode, by the way. Like, dude, just wait and release it to the public when it's done. Anyways, so it's neutered. So uh, they they did add this day, um, I can't remember what they call it, day, day view or whatever, where you can look over, it'll bring in stuff from all throughout your lists, and uh, you can decide whether to add it to your day or not. That's kind of a neat feature. They stole it from things. Other than that, it, it really doesn't, I mean, you can't do subtasks anymore, which was like one of the most basic functionalities um, within Wonderlist and one of the easiest things to add. Like, why wouldn't you put that in? Sure. Uh, the, so you're just stuck with like it, it's like it's like basically the Apple reminders problem. If if you're fairly organized with your to do lists, then you just end up with hundreds of lists to scroll through to find things, and it's just stupid. Um, there's no inbox, so they took away the GTD aspects of the app. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of griping going on um, among Wonderlist lovers about Microsoft to do. So I went back on the search, like, where was it going to go, you know? Um, I found a, an interesting app that I shared with you called WeDo. WeDo is kind of what Microsoft To Do should have been, probably, because it's more Wonderlist than Wonderlist. It has a little weird quirks itself. Like, there's no way to look at everything that's due for the day. Like, literally, no, what do I have to do today? It just gives you, um, what do you call it, notification, like little the little red circles on every one of your lists that has a due task? Um, you can actually filter them by day. Um, I, I, I've been playing with that app quite a bit, and I like it. Um, so if you go into a particular, uh, it, it, like if you go into, let's say you create a, a, a group called work, which I have, if you actually click the thing down at the bottom, it then allows you to create today, tomorrow, this week, or this month tasks as well. Right. So you, if, if given... It, I mean, it, it's a little clunky in the sense that I wish that it was on the front page and I wish that there were easier ways to get to it, but there is that functionality. I think the reason why they didn't was because they didn't want you to jumble all of your tasks together. Um, but who and, doesn't but I, do that? I, yeah, I know. I hear you. I mean, I wish I wish they gave me the option. Like, I'd like to choose that, you know? Like, who, who looks at their to-do list for the day and goes, what do I have to do in this list today? They just want to see, what do I have to do today? I don't care what sure. list it comes from. Sure. It's, it's a weird choice. It's a beautiful app, though. It is. It really is. I and they seem. I love the the quote quote of the day thing at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't stick with it because um, it seemed like it would be more work for me to set it up um, than I needed to. So what I went back to was to do to doist. I mean, 
Yeah, and I ultimately I may end up going back to that too as well. Um, I love the interface for WeDo so much that I might try to make it work, uh, but we'll see. There, the the core functionality thing, which is the the inability to see all of my daily lists or my daily tasks in one list, is really annoying. Um, but I only have two different um, categories, so for me it might be something that I just work around and I just live within a certain task list all the time. Um, but I, I don't, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm probably going to end up going back to Todoist as well, just because it's at least until, um, we do adds that core functionality to the front page. I don't think it's that useful to me. And another reason, like the, the main, main reason that I, or two main reasons that I went back to Todoist, even though I've said before, it doesn't work necessarily the way my brain does, um, is because they're independent and they've stated before they're always going to be independent. They're not looking to be bought out. So Microsoft or Apple or somebody else isn't going to come along and swoop them up and then rob us of the system that we're all entrenched in. So that's, that's a big concern now because it's happened to us so many times in the last few years. Um, that that's something you have to consider now is how long am I going to have this thing? And is it worth putting all my stuff in this thing? Um, sure. If it is possibility of it going away, because I've, we're creative people, we don't have time to move to another app and then move to another app. Then there's no perfect importer. There's always a problem with some importer stuff ends up on the wrong list. Uh, so there's always this maintenance. Um, so that's a, a number one concern. And number two, to be honest, just when you guys are looking at to-do apps and you're looking for one, I'll tell you this. Look, don't really jump in anything for like a month. Just keep an eye on the apps and look at them in the app store every couple days. And if you notice that some apps aren't updating features or doing bug fixes very often, you probably don't want to jump on board with them because that means that they're either over understaffed or they're just not interested in the product anymore um and todoist is one that is always adding stuff they're always fixing stuff they're always improving things and so it i i can have faith in the fact that 90 percent of the things that probably don't work for me in todoist at some point are probably going to change because they're in constant development yeah i kind of feel that way about um I, I kind of feel that way about um, um, Evernote as well, is that it's not perfect, but they change it enough that it gives me faith that they'll get it right eventually. Mm, I do want to talk about Node apps in a minute. I, <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> I knew you would. Uh, one weird thing I would say about Todoist that I forgot, which is a bit frustrating. If you create, uh, so you can create tasks in Todoist and then you can create subtasks. If you create the, the main task as a repeating task, um, so say for instance, um, check my inboxes. That's something I do at the end of the day. I make sure all my inboxes are cleared and that I have any tasks moved in. But underneath that, I have subtasks of, you know, email messages, you know, places to check. So that's going to repeat every day. Well, here's what happens. This is the problem with Todoist. I go in to today, right? And I go in and I go, cool, mail, check off mail. Messages, check off messages, uh, desk, check off desk, notebook, check off notebook. And then now I've gone through all the subtasks and I check off, um, check in boxes, boom, schedules it for the next day. 
And of course, it works perfectly. That comes up the next day. But guess what? All my subtasks are still checked off. Mm. So I have to either go and uncheck all of my subtasks, or I just have to not use them as subtasks and make them all individual tasks. And that's a bit annoying. So actually what I did to solve that problem, and this is, goes back into um, some interesting thought processes that the iPad has brought about for me, is because of the Apple Pencil, I've been using certain things that don't require typing. I've actually just been writing them, handwriting them, huh. um, using the Notability app. So for example, I have a an alarm in the Do app, D-U-E, that goes off at a certain time every night. And that says, do your nightly inv- inventory and check your inboxes. And I go into Notability and I have a, I have a PDF in there that I've, I created that has all the questions I need to answer. And then I just write on top of the PDF the answers, um, mar- mark things off right there. And then at the, the next day, when the next day comes up, I hit clear page. It wipes off all my annotations and goes back to the blank questions. So that's been an interesting different, it's it's like having a clipboard with a checklist, which is kind of going back to old school. Yeah, wow. Huh. It's really cool. I, li- I like that, actually. What other things? Oh, n- let's talk about Note apps for a minute. So you've been, you're you're still in Evernote. Yeah, for, for lack of a better option, um, which is sad to me because there, there are still things in Evernote that infuriate me. <laughs> but I don't have a better option that allows me um, the level of, of, I don't know, control, I guess, is the easiest way to put it that I have in Evernote. So it's, it's, it's problematic at the moment. I had such high hopes when I started playing with Apple Notes that I could build a system that would work in Apple Notes. And it just, it's not built for robust stuff. So we've gone through this before. But then um, I always told myself, I'm all, but the sync is solid. So for smaller stuff cool whatever like you and i have a couple for this podcast we have a couple shared lists um that we collaborate on and that's nice but what i've been noticing lately is the icloud sync i don't know if they're making some big changes to icloud which i really hope they are that they're going to be um that this ios 11 whatever comes out is going to be bringing some real power features that'll really make the ipads the ipad pro shine uh, but the sync has been sucking. I had a problem where my computer and my iPad had different things on a note. And then the phone had kind of a mixture of the two. Mm-hmm. And I had to turn off iCloud on all three devices and turn it back on. And then it just still didn't work. And it, it was a very Apple, un-Apple uh, moment. So I've lost a lot of faith in Apple Notes. And because of that, I moved back to Bear. And I have to say, Bear's incredible. And Bear may be the the to-doist of note-taking apps in the sense that they're independent, they're not looking to be bought out, and they're constantly developing and adding features. And when they implement features, they're dialed. It's none of this uh, half-assed stuff that some of these other apps do, where they do a feature and it's okay. When they do stuff, they nail it. Um, Like one thing in Bear that I didn't even know Bear did, and it might not have done it before, is if you put checkboxes inside of your note, um, for example, you have maybe you're doing a to-do list in there instead of somewhere else, and there's three things on that list, and you mark one off. When you back out to the list view, there's a progress bar on that note that shows you how far you are on the checkboxes within that note, 
which is superbly useful if you're going to do lists that you need to keep an eye on without having to dip into it. Um, there's I've, I've read a bunch of stuff that they're adding, but it's not my, actually my note app though. That's kind of my scratch pad app. That's what I've been using it for. It's just to grab stuff. So what it, basically what I was using Apple notes for what mm. I've gone, what I've gone to for my big note taping app where I'm putting all of my commonplace stuff is Devon think or Devon think, which is actually a very old app from the Mac, but they now have a, pretty decent um ipad app called devon think to go uh it's pretty detailed i don't want to go into it too much but basically and it's not perfect there's a lot of stuff about it that frustrate me but the reason that i went with it there's a couple reasons is number one they've been around forever so they're not going anywhere um number two it syncs to dropbox so it's saving all the stuff on dropbox but here's the really cool thing it's end-to-end encryption. So everything in DevonThink is encrypted before it ever goes to Dropbox. And then you have Dropbox's encryption on top of that, which is mediocre. So you have double encryption on all of your files. So this is a great place to store very personal data. Um, and because of that, I started viewing DevonThink as kind of my finder. You know, like on the Mac, you have the Finder where you store all of your files. So that, that's what I've been doing with DevonThink is moving everything into it. All of my files, all of my tax information, everything into DevonThink. Um, and it's pretty cool in the sense that it does 90% of what I want it to do. Um, it doesn't search within documents if it's text-based. Um, it does very, mm-hmm. very minimal multi-markdown, um, which is kind of a bummer but what i've been the what i've actually got around for those who don't know what multi markdown is it's just like a shortcut for formatting so that you can get things to look a little bit nicer than just plain text files um the reason that multi markdowns used more than or markdown or multi markdown is used and saw seen as more beneficial than like something in evernote uh when you save things in evernote evernote is like a rich text it's a formatted text but it's an evernote format so getting stuff out of Evernote, that it's not in a file format that's going to be able to be opened by anything other than Evernote. And when you cut and paste the f- out of Evernote, the formatting gets messed up sometimes because it's not standard formatting. So you're kind of boxing your stuff into their system when you're putting it in there. So multi-markdown is, it's like an almost, I guess you could say an internet standard. Um, if you've ever written anything in Medium, you've you've probably seen markdown if you've seen anything with hashtags to create headers that's markdown um the reason for that is is it's just interpretable by any program basically any plain text editor is going to be able to read those files but what i've been doing to get around the not being because i've I've mentioned this before um lamb pull me back if i'm getting too nerdy at any point okay Oh no, I I'm interested in this stuff. I just don't know if we've lost anybody else. <laughs> yeah, if if you guys are not interested in really nerdy um app stuff like this, you can probably skip the rest of this episode because that's probably what we're going to talk about. That's pretty much most of what we're going to talk about, sure. But yeah, so what I've been doing to get around this, a lot of these notes that I'm putting in there these complicated, you know, like for example, if I'm taking notes on a book, 
that's a lot, a lot of notes, a lot of times, a lot of highlights, stuff like that. So to search for a term, you know, like I'm looking for boxing. Well, just telling me that the, the word boxing is in this note is not really much help to me because I, I don't want to read the whole thing to find out where I use the word boxing. I sure. Want, I want you to take me to it, highlight it on the page, show me where the darn word is so that I can get the information um, without having to spend 20 minutes reading notes because I don't always have time for that. So what I've been doing to get around that, and this is where Bear comes back in, is Bear is a really great app for making PDFs. So what I do is I, cr- I take my notes, I put them into Bear in Markdown, and then I export it as a PDF and save it into DevonThink. So now I have an exported PDF huh. of my notes, which, by the way, all the text is copyable out of the PDFs, um, just like if, if it was a text file. So if I need to copy and paste something, it comes out perfectly formatted. So now I can search within the documents. And what's really great, and this is another really handy use for DevonThink, is if you're, um, I'm using workflow for some of these things. Uh, if you're looking at a web page and you're like, this article is really valuable to me, maybe you want to highlight it or maybe you just want to save it. Uh, one of the problems with, you know, things like um, Instapaper and Pocket and uh, apps that bookmark instead of actually save is that if somebody ever takes that article down, it's gone. You don't have it. You can never read it again. You just get a, you know, there's nothing here link when you click on it, right? So uh, Evernote gets around that by their, which uh, one of their best things they have is their web clipper. So it yeah. actually clips the text and the whole format. Um, DevonThink, I think I'm pretty sure I'm using a a workflow in the workflow app for this. I, I just create a PDF of the whole page, and I import it into DevonThink, and then I DevonThink has a built-in PDF editor, so I can just go in, highlight the stuff I want to highlight, make any markups I want to mark markup. Boom, saved forever. Is it um how how useful is that on the is there a mobile version of that that is is useful as well of DevonThink? Yeah. Yeah, DevonThink to go is what I'm using. I don't have it on the on the computer at all. Okay, cuz I've only seen it on the computer so I didn't even know there was a mobile app. I almost uh, the reason I haven't number there's two reasons I haven't um done DevonThink on the computer. Number 1, it's super expensive. Um it's super expensive in the sense that uh, if you're thinking about it in comparison to iPad or iPhone apps, uh, it's not that expensive. Um, if anybody remembers what it was like buying apps for the Mac, um, Jeez. $50, $50 is like <laughs> cheap for the Mac, right? So there's like three levels of the desktop app. The one that's really got all the jazz in it and the, the magic in it um, is $150. So I, I didn't want to th- throw out $150. And number two, I'm really, really trying to use the iPad as my sole device as much as I can. So spending $150 on a Mac app means that I'm going to want to use it, right? Of course. <laughs> the what's really cool, I I don't want to go on Dev and think too much as far as um like ad-based sounding stuff, but they have this AI thing that really makes me want to use it, and I hope they add it to the to-go app where basically if I go into one note, um, one particular note, 
there is it, it there's an artificial intelligence built into it that um understands what's in the note the context of the note and there will be a see also button and it will pull up notes that are connected in some way to that and this is kind of evernote tries to do that with um there's like the little three things at the bottom of your notes it'll give you like suggestions to articles online or other things like this but for the most part the evernote one is feeble at best this one from what i understand is incredible um a lot of scientists use devon think so that when they're writing a scientific article it pulls up all of the articles that they've saved that are related to the subject matter oh wow that's amazing like, like if they happen to be writing about something in biochemistry without using the specific word biochemistry it understands what they're talking about and it pulls up articles about that specific type of biochemistry that they've saved. Uh, very powerful. And it's been around for a long time, which is incredible that no one's talked about it more. Yeah. So that's, that's basically what I've been doing. Like, I, I, unless you have other questions about Devin, think, I think we can move on to something else. Well, who, who's the developer? I'm actually really curious about that. You know, Devon Think Technologies or Devon Technologies. Okay. Well, that makes it pretty straightforward. I like companies that are focused like that. Um, I, it's part of the reason why I had so much faith in Evernote when I first started using it. I mean, and and don't get me wrong, like I feel like I rip on Evernote too much, um, considering that I still use it. It's 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 it it feels almost um, like I'm betraying the app by by being so critical of it, of it, but. I just think that uh, Evernote, more so than most programs that have worked with within this space, definitely tries to do too much and doesn't do all of it very well. Um, so yeah, I, I apologize, Evernote. You guys, it's actually a pretty awesome um, uh, app, and thus far, it's done most of the things that I've needed it to do. It's just a few of the things that that it doesn't do are extraordinarily frustrating. Um, you know, like the, the, the thing that you're describing with the related articles, for example, I don't even, I don't even think to do that with Evernote because I've never trusted it, um, or, or the related searches or the, the related saved items that I have within my Evernote. Um, I've never thought to do that because it's just never worked very well. Um, so yeah, I mean, Devon thinks sounds like a good option. I just, now, now I'm so locked into, you know, it, it goes back to what we've talked about at some point, which is I'm so locked into the Evernote ecosystem that I'm not sure if I have the stomach to start over again, <laughs> um, especially considering my current life, because it sounds like even as awesome as Devon thinks sounds, I feel like I, I would have to spend weeks in order to to retrain my brain to, to get back into a different ecosystem. Well, plus you have to, you got to realize too, that there's a, a drastic, first of all, let me also say um, Evernote is fantastic. It's It's a workhorse. I was a huge fan of Evernote for a very long time. Um, the only reason I left Evernote is because uh, they're, they did get bloated, but there's been some faultiness in their business model lately um, in the last year, which makes me think they might not be around. Um, so I, I, I couldn't see myself um, investing as much as I needed to invest into that ecosystem, knowing that it could possibly go away, um, especially as much as I use Note apps. But the thing that one thing you really have to wrap your mind around if you're going to look into Dev and think, which, by the way, is I think it's fifteen dollars. Normally, it happens to be on sale right now for ten. Wish I knew that before I bought it. I would have saved five bucks. And then there's a there's an in-app purchase for. I think it's for the sinking. I can't remember. There's an in-app purchase. It ends up being about twenty two bucks. 
which is not bad for a power app. But what's really important about it is it's not a note app. And I have to reiterate that to anybody that's listening. It can be used for things like that. This is a file system. It yeah. is. It's 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 a filing system. This is not a note app. Um, so the text editing and all of that stuff are very basic. You're not going to get um, feature rich. You're not going to get check boxes. You're not going to get. Uh, you're basically you're going to get where you, you can do three levels of size. You can italicize. You can bold, and you can do bullet points, and that's about it. So that's something for anybody listening to consider. But if you're looking for a file system in a place to to keep things safe, Devon Think is a great place to do it because of the encryption. Um, just for personal files, it, it, there's c- encryption is very important. And if I'm gonna actually include a note to this in uh, a note to this in the show notes, wow, that's a little repetitive. Uh, a link to this in the show notes. Check out the podcast called Note to Self. It's um, it's a great podcast about. It's hard to describe what it's about. Like they call it the technology podcast. That's like uh, more personal. And what they mean by that is that they don't talk about stuff like we're talking about it right now. Um, what the what they actually talk about is stuff like privacy. Mm. Um. Uh, how technology affects our lives, things like that. I, I literally went back from the beginning and listened to every episode. Uh, but privacy is a big thing to start considering, especially when, um, regardless of the political party that you associate with, we do have an administration right now that does not have a problem um, with the idea of invading people's privacy for safety. You may agree with that or you may not, but what I don't agree with is people looking at my stuff. <laughs> So I want my stuff in a safe, encrypted place. And to be honest, even if you're not worried about that, there are hackers everywhere, guys. And eventually, the way that things go, eventually you will be hacked. It's not even a you might be hacked. At some point, you will be hacked. It's almost 100% now. So start considering that, especially when you're talking about um, taking this back to the focus of the show, especially when you're talking about creative works. If you're working on a novel, do you really want it in a place that can be easily hacked so somebody could steal your novel after you put years and years of work into it? I don't think you do. Yeah, I will say now that, uh, you know, I, I had my, my Dropbox account hacked at some point um, and a couple of my photos were taken. I'm, I, I still haven't seen them pop back up online, but I got a notification from the security folks at Dropbox telling me that. So, yeah, no one is immune and it doesn't matter what level of security or safety you think that you have. There's there's. I mean, and it's it sounds paranoid for me to even say it, but I used to work in a company that dealt with um, de- mobile device security, so I have a pretty good idea of how unsafe <laughs> the 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 world of mobile devices is in that sense. So any level of of protection or encryption that you can add as a secondary layer of protection or security is it, is it's not only necessary, but it, it, at some point it's you you just. You want to protect what's yours and and in this day and age of identity theft and how rampant it is and how easy it is to 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 be able to do that from a mobile device or or to a mobile device um, makes it so that, you know, having an app that allows you that level of security is pretty spectacular. Right. I mean, Stingray apps or Stingray devices, all these crazy things where all you have to do is drive around and you can track somebody as long as you've got this thing that's pinging them. Uh I mean, the only the only way your device is ever going to be safe is if it's turned off. 
And even some devices actually don't turn off. They yeah. go into standby mode and say they're off. Um, so these are all all things to consider, not just from from a creativity standpoint, but because we care about you guys and we don't want somebody to steal your stuff and to ruin your life. There's there's a lot of possibilities. So you you've got to start considering this stuff. You know, not just not just privacy and all that stuff, but also what we talked about with uh is this company gonna last? Is this company gonna be independent? When you're making these choices, it seems like it may be a frivolous thing for us to talk about apps and tools and stuff like that, but I don't think it's frivolous um, because these are the things we facilitate our lives with it. Whether we like it or not, we live in a modern world. And in the modern world, uh, if you put your head in the sand, it doesn't keep you safe. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about productivity apps too, I know that I know, I know that's something that, that, that people don't want to think about, but um, Wonderlist is such a great example of this, um, in that you, both you and I invested so much time and trust into, to Wonderlist. And I mean, it's not like we didn't see the writing on the wall. Like I remember us talking about this a long time ago, you know, you said something like three episodes ago, um, that we predicted the end of Wonderlist as an app because Microsoft had taken it over. Um, but it, be careful about what, what ecosystems you ultimately end up being a part of too, you know, I, I think back at things like Zune, for example, the Microsoft experiment with the the anti iPod um, that failed miserably, and the number of people that had to fight their way out of that ecosystem because they invested in it. You know, so the company itself and the trajectory of that company also matters. Um, so, keep, so definitely keep that in mind when you're looking to to build your set of tools or or build your ecosystem, um, and make sure that you protect yourself and your data and all of that too. Because I, I, for example, I don't know what would happen. If if Evernote just decided to kill itself tomorrow, um, I would have so much stuff that I would need to migrate to some other environment or just lose it. Um, and that's very, very scary to me. And that's one of the reasons that um, one of the benefits of DevonThink in the sense that uh, I'm putting PDFs in there. Taking PDFs out, there's still going to be PDFs. And PDF, for the most part, is future-proof because it's not some proprietary format, right? There's a good chance that PDFs are going to be around for a very long time. So at the very least, I'm going to have my information in PDFs. But if you're saving it in Dev and Think in the text and you're saving it in Markdown, which is essentially basic text, um, anything that can read basic text um, is going to be able to read those files as well. And another thing too, just going back to the privacy thing, it's really important to look at companies and the way that they view privacy um, when you're when you're jumping on board with them. For example, if you're jumping on board with a to-do list um, company, you might want to consider what their privacy policies are and what their privacy protection is. You don't want to, do you really want somebody to hack a list of everything that you're doing? Because that tells them a considerable amount about you. Also, you don't want uh, them selling your information a lot of the a lot of things to consider too this is something that's come up in a lot of the tech podcasts i listened to um recently um because there was this whole kerfuffle with uber and uber was uh saving um user data information on their on iphones so that they know what users had what iphones it's a lot of crazy stuff that happened uber is kind of a douchebag company nobody should ever use them they have consistently prove that they're they don't care about human beings 
Um, also with um, a company called Unroll Me, which was this free service that would unsubscribe you from uh, emails. You know, it would tell you what emails you're subscribed to and uh, it would remove you from them so that you didn't have to go through the painful process of clicking the un unsubscribe link, right? Because it's so hard. Um, and then they would offer, if you want, all the ones that you kept, they would roll it all up into one email and send it to you once a day, all of which were beautiful, except for the fact that they were selling all of your data information from your scanned emails to companies like Uber. For example, Uber bought information from Unroll Me to read all of your receipts from Lyft so that they could strategize against Lyft. Oh, that's so insidious. Very douchey. Very douchey on both parts of those companies. Um, so one thing that's phrase that's come up over and over again in podcasts, and I don't know how we veered into this, but I think it's important. If you guys are getting something for free, you're not getting it for free. Find out why it's free. Everything costs something. I mean, and it sounds conspiracy theorist of us to say this, but, um, it's not, it's not at all. I mean, I take, take, you know, take a moment, for example, to go and read through, just pick a random app that you use, you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, some, some kind of ubiquitous app and just read through their terms of service. Just do it one time, just so you have an idea of how open-ended and completely it, 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 they're made for data mining. You know what I mean? They're made to, to basically accumulate the, the amount of information or traffic or, or activity that you do on a particular device or a particular type of activity. And, and they're, they're gathering that information for um, whatever purpose, whether it's selling it or using it to, to strategize their businesses. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand that, that companies need data in order to, to develop strategies. I get that. I don't, I don't entirely disagree with doing that. I just disagree with how they do it and why they do it. <laughs> well, to clarify, no, number one, this is not a conspiracy theory because these are not things that can possibly happen. These are things that are happening. Um, you bring right. up Facebook, for example. Facebook is the worst. Oh, it's um, horrible. Read, they, that, read those terms. I, I, for everybody who's listening to this podcast, just please read those terms of services and or just do a Google search on Facebook um, terms of service and you will find a billion different articles and links to people who have broken down the terms of service um, to show how vulnerable it makes your data. Well, no, I mean, everything that you do on there, everything is stored. Everything is stored. And they're taking this and they're, they're building personality profiles of all of you. And they're using this to sell. They're selling it to, this is why Facebook is free. Because this is a new strategy with companies. It's very important for you guys to understand. It's, they don't make as much money by selling you a one-time purchase. They don't make as money, much money selling you a subscription. Where they make the money is your data. Taking your data. Your data is the most valuable thing that you have. And they're selling it because they can make trillions off of our data. Um, this presidential election... <laughs> They started using companies that profile people online from their social profiles that can target ads to them that will affect them emotionally so that they can veer them one way or another towards a political candidate. And, and you think that, okay, this is this, oh, whatever, you know, like, uh, it's not going to affect me. It will affect you in the sense that, um, for example, there's, oh man, this is a rabbit hole we're going down. <laughs> 
for example, something that Facebook, uh, you can do on Facebook at the time. I don't know if you can still do this. I just heard about this. Um, you could technically um, break discrimination laws using targeting on Facebook. So, um, for example, there's if you if you go into Facebook um, ads and you actually look at the targeting groups, you'll see that there's a group. There are groups in there for racial affinities. And what's racial affinity? Racial affinity means you might be white, but you like black people. Now, oh, man. first of all, that just creeps me out. Like that, that somebody needs to target that specific thing. But what that means is, um, for example, somebody did this as a test. I think it might have been the note to self people or somebody that they were interviewing. Somebody went in and they said, so it's against the law to racially discriminate for housing, right? But if you put an ad in Facebook, they actually did this. They bought an ad on Facebook about housing and they said they didn't want it showed to any black people, to anybody with black affinity, any Asian people, anybody with Asian affinity. Um, and then they put the ad out and it was accepted by Facebook and it was put out. So it passed their terms of terms of service. And technically that's racial discrimination basically because somebody just put an ad out that said, I only want white people to be able to see this ad. Now that's scary, but this is the kind of information that this stuff can be dialed down to, but they can dial it down even deeper. They can dial it down to know that if they use this word, you're going to react this way, that they can take your psychological profile and going back to the word, they can manipulate you. And uh, most of this is done for selling things, of course. But what is to stop at some point somebody from buying this for insidious purposes? Um, what is, what is, at what point uh, are we going to have the problem of... Uh, your Facebook profile and all of your Facebook information being brought up in a court of law as evidence against you. Now that's a scary proposition, but it's very realistic. And I don't want to go any further into this because we could talk about this for a very long time, but these are things you guys need to think about and going back to creativity, the theme of this podcast, whenever you post something on Facebook, they own it. So if you created a piece of art, a photograph and you posted it on Facebook, it's not yours anymore. Facebook owns it. You don't have copyrights to it anymore. You have signed off by agreeing to be a member of Facebook. You have signed off on your ownership and your copyright on that. So if you're a photographer and you have a a photography uh, fan page on Facebook, guess what? You don't own any of your photos. That's now, granted, I haven't read the terms of service myself because I don't have a Facebook anymore, so I don't give a damn. But that's what I've been told from all these tech podcasts that I've been listening to from people who supposedly know these things. So I would not take my word for it, but I would look and I would find out and I would know these things. These are important things for you guys to know. And uh, let's go back to the iPad for a little bit before we bail out on this episode. <laughs> Actually, on that on that one last thing, because I am a photographer um, and because it does greatly concern me, um, there's a reason why I have almost entirely removed myself from Facebook. I haven't done the, the chat thing, which has completely deleted my account because there are still things um, like events and certain things that I do for business that I still do via Facebook, but almost nothing that I care to personally keep ever ends up on Facebook anymore for that reason. Because you, you, you not only do you... Do you 
the the legality of having to hold on to to your own personal data and your own personal work is so tricky with Facebook that it's almost not worth doing. And what's also worth pointing out before we finish this is Facebook owns Instagram. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of photographers on Instagram. I don't know what the terms of service there if they're different or not, but definitely worth looking into. Okay. Um, one thing that I didn't touch on at all yet um, in terms of the iPad is there are some amazing sketching apps on here. I'm not going to nerd out and go into these too much, but the ones that I happen to be a fan of that are worth checking out, um, my least favorite of, I would say my top four is Paper by 53. Um, it has some cool stuff, but there's no layers. So for the most part, um, unless you're just doing some sloppy sketch stuff for fun. The tools are really nice. Um, but other than that, it's not super powerful. And it doesn't sync between devices. I just burped on the podcast. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, it doesn't sync between devices, which is a bit frustrating if, you know, for example, you want to pull up a note that you made in it on your iPhone. My... The second, uh, the one above that would probably be the Adobe Sketch app. I'm not crazy about the tools. Um, the markers all suck as far as being able to get a solid black line. But the watercolor is incredible. It, the watercolor on that one is my favorite. Um, sometimes I'll just pull in something from there, watercolor, and then export it to something else. Um, as far as just sketching and fun that I've really been enjoying is Linea, which is made by Icon Factory, the same guys that make the Twitterific app. Uh, it's great. It's very simple. Um, you can do about five layers, which is just enough to get good sketching done. Um, the pencils, the colored pencils, which is not my favorite medium in real life, are so much fun in this app. And that's what I end up using more than anything. Um, they have... You can change the background to butcher paper or to gray, oh. gray Bristol board. Um, and I've been doing a lot of uh, butcher paper or gray Bristol board stuff uh, with the colored pencils. Because number one, white colored pencil on one of those backgrounds just looks awesome. Uh, if you guys go to my Instagram, you'll see there's a skull and a wine glass that I drew. Both of those were in the Linea app. And then the number one, everybody will name this app on every list. If you're going to talk about iPad drawing apps is Procreate. Pro Procreate is the power tool. I mean, you oh, can, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it is an incredible app. It, it is Photoshop. But, you know, like for quick sketches and stuff like that, it's, it's funner to just pull out Linea or one of these other ones. Um, but if you're really going to do some work and create some serious artwork, um, some serious digital artwork, Procreate. I mean, you can import brushes, you can do layers, you can alpha lock, you can do everything. I can't think of anything you can't do. And what's really, really cool, and I might start doing this on my Instagram soon, is uh, it saves a time-lapse video of everything you draw. And oh, you that's can, amazing. I so, didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So you can export that video. So I might be exporting some videos of things I draw onto my Instagram. Uh, by the way, I just would like to point out for a second that you just said the word funner on the podcast. Yep, it yep. happens. Yeah. That that happened. <laughs> More fun is so boring. 
<laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. There, there are levels to how much more no fun. Well, no fun just sounds too close to more fun. So I, I think funner is just a more fun word. And that's, <laughs> you know, what's not fun is grammar. <laughs> yeah. Grammar is not fun. Grammar is horrible. Um, let me see if there's anything else that I should mention about this device. I just think it's, it's really, what's really nice about the iPad ultimately is just, it's something you can grab. The speakers are amazing. Um, everybody, I'm trying not to cover stuff that any reviewer on iTunes, uh, I mean, on YouTube can tell you because you can just go watch all of that stuff. Uh, but it's, it's just, it's really nice. I've been, um, the last the last episode of my personal solo podcast and the last episode of the random badassery podcast and probably this one were edited in ferrite on the iPad um and it's wonderful the sound actually for some reason the sound is better you and I remarked about that on the last episode mm-hmm. um so ferrite is a great app um I did a vlog I edited a vlog in Pinnacle Pro which is really nice. Um, what else do I want to tell you guys before we're done? I have a list over here. Oh, one, one other thing. You know what I'd love to see? Um, Kindle or iBooks. One of you guys figure this out. It would be really nice when I'm reading my book and having my Apple Pencil in my hand if I could just annotate my books like a PDF. That would be really nice. Oh, that's 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 going to be... I don't know how Kindle or, or, or iBooks hasn't done that yet, to be honest with you. Do you think that Apple would have been the first one to jump on it since they make the Apple Pencil? Sure, you would think. You would think. And how useful would that be? Like, I, mean, I that's one of the first features that that I thought would be useful with the pen, when the pencil slash pen, whatever they're calling it, um, when it came out. Um, especially if you have, you know, you read books the way you and I do. You know, we have audiobooks, we have the actual PDF, and in some cases, we have a physical, tangible book as well. And to be able to go through any of those um, either together or separately, and to be able to annotate stuff would just be amazing. It's it's it would be just for marginalia. I mean, you can highlight with the pencil. That's nice, but um, I don't. If I'm holding the iPad and I'm reading a book and I want to make a note, sure, I can use the on-screen keyboard. I'm definitely not going to plug in the smart cover just to make a a note. I can use the on-screen keyboard, um, but if I could just scribble something, ah, oh, awesome. Because sometimes you just want to put a word or a question mark. Mm-hmm. So, one of you guys get on that. Um, more preferably, Kindle, please, since I'm invested. Not, not only that, but it, I know it's it's a personal thing uh, for me. But I kind of like the idea of handwritten notes and stuff, just because it gives it more of a sense of personality, anyway. So that's that's purely just from a visual perspective. Seeing like a linked note that I have to click on in a PDF or for something is not as fun. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and one other piece of advice: if you're going to use the Apple Pencil. Um, with the iPad for drawing or a lot of note-taking, get a matte screen protector. Uh, you're, you're going to get a little bit of, you're not going to, it's not, it's going to affect, um, the retina display a little bit. I don't notice it. It doesn't bother me at all, but some people have complained that it kind of makes it a little fuzzy. I don't, I don't see that at all, but you know, if you're really anal, and you know one of those people that um counts pixels or whatever eh, maybe you're going to be annoyed by that but you have to understand that's exactly how a matte screen protector works uh is it diffuses <laughs> um so anyways 
there's there's three reasons for that. Number one, I had the iPad for one day and it was covered in dust and fingerprints in one day. Matte screen protectors, for some reason, don't collect fingerprints the same way. It looks clean all the time. So that's number one. Uh, number two, it softens the screen and gives you a little bit of tooth when writing. Um, what you'll find is writing on the straight class with the hard plastic tip of the Apple Pencil is for drawing and things like that. Uh, sometimes the tip moves a little too fast and you don't have enough control because it's sliding off gl uh, glass too much. And if you're used to drawing or writing on pen on paper, you're used to a little bit of friction. So this gives you a little bit of friction and it, it softens the surface. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear this, but... That's the sound of an iPad on glass. So that's what it's gonna sound like if you're writing straight on the glass. That's my iPhone. This is what it sounds like on the screen protector. Still there, but it's about 90% softer. Yeah, almost imperceptible, interesting. Um, and then obviously the third perception, uh, third perception, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not well. <laughs> the third purpose of the matte screen protector is it, no glare. So uh, when you're out in the sun, it's easier to read the iPad. And just in any room, you don't ever have to do that thing where you're like, oh, let me adjust the iPad five degrees to this angle so that I can see the screen. So those are things to consider as well. Um, oh, by the way, Overcast, I know we tooted their horn a lot last week. Um, one awesome thing that I actually wanted to mention last week you know what's really cool if you have Overcast on your iPhone and on your iPad? They sync. Oh, didn't know that. You can... Whoops, I just turned on Siri. I didn't say Siri. Go away. Greetings, Chad. Oh, you... <laughs> Gotta hear. Uh, yeah, they sync. So what's not just uh, that it keeps the episodes in sync, but literally um, they if I listen to 10 minutes of a 50-minute podcast on my iPhone and then jump over to my iPad, I can pick up where I left off. Uh, every day I like Overcast a little bit more. And it's it's hard because I I feel like I can't like it any more than I do, but I, I find myself liking it more and more. <laughs> and I will say, it's to clarify so that I don't set up too high expectations for people, it's not instantaneous sync. You can't literally jump from one to the other. What I usually do is if I'm leaving, I pull down to refresh the Overcast app in the iPhone, put the iPhone down, pick up the iPad, refresh on the iPad, boom, now they're synced. I mean, come on, Chad. Just the fact that it does it at all is pretty remarkable. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. I love it. Um, and I know people have said that like listening to podcasts on the iPad is weird. I don't know why they've said that. Um, it's amazing. The sound is so good. On I can't believe how good... The sound is on these speakers. And I watched all the videos of people saying, I can't believe how good the sound is on these speakers. But it's it's incredible. And listening to the pod uh, listening to podcasts on there is it's beautiful. Um so uh, blah, 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 blah. oh one other thing too. Another cool app that's um very useful. Um drafts. Mm, yeah. The drafts app. I, I used it before, but I'm going back to use it to grab some certain things because um what did I, there was a specific purpose I had. Oh, so uh, I've, I've taken a lot of longer notes and um, breaking them up into smaller pieces. Um, because like, for example, I told you guys I'm making PDFs, right? 
Um, but like uh, for podcasts, podcasts are um, continual, right? Podcasts don't end like a, a movie. Um, so when you're taking notes on a movie, I'm done. I can print that out to PDF and it's done. Those are my notes on that movie. I don't have to add anything to it. So it can be a PDF. Um, but podcasts are things that are continuous, right? So I can't ever publish my notes on a podcast um, to PDF because I'm going to need to add stuff to it. So what I've been doing is breaking those out by episode and printing those as PDFs. Um, so what I've been doing with that is taking the long, because like, for example, the Tim Ferriss podcast, I've listened to so many episodes of that and so much information in that podcast and so many useful notes. It's just pages and pages of uh, text. And to break that into episodes is labor intensive. So what I've been doing is grabbing those, pulling them into drafts, pulling it into drafts. And then the, uh, there's a function in drafts um, that you can find in like the, the app directory called uh, split at cursor. And it will split at the cursor. So you can just go through and here's the end of this episode, the beginning of this one, put the cursor there, split, and then a split. And then split. And now they're all, all the episodes are separate um, drafts in drafts. And then I can export those into Bear and then export those as PDFs and boom, they're in Dev and Think. Uh, so that's, that's, that's a very important thing to point out about the iPad. There's a, a certain shift in thinking if you're going to use this as your main computer. Um, you have to understand that sometimes you're going to have to create workflows and tag team things, move something to here, to move it to here, to do this. Um, the workflow app is absolutely a necessity. If you're going to use this for any power purpose, Apple actually just bought them. Um, so hopefully it'll still be around that Apple doesn't kill it, but I'm hoping they'll bake some of those features into iOS. Um, and lastly, I think the last thing I'll say about the iPad is a uh, Scrivener on the iPad is fantastic for writing a novel. Oh, I was gonna. I was curious about that. I was for for the the writers out there that are writing long term projects. I was curious as to how it was, how how it functions with the workflow. Because I know that you have a very specific method that you use to write. So how is how is that actually working for you right now? Scrivener for the iPad is brilliant. I mean, it's it's mildly neutered from the desktop version, but only because certain things uh, are pretty complex you know like um in the in the desktop app you can do these things called snapshots um mm -hmm. which is it's it saves versions of your work so that uh if you need to go back to a previous version um you can go back to it and uh that's useful you can't do that on the ipad um i don't actually tend to use that very much just because i rarely need to undo an edit that i've done uh, and if I do, I usually just rewrite it anyways. Um, sure. I don't, I don't keep things that precious, but it's fantastic. It has corkboard mode. It has scrivening mode, um, where you can see all the little pieces together. A little bit less control with the scrivening mode, but still there. Um, another really cool thing for writers out there that, uh, I've found, I've told you guys that I'm using notability for a lot of the handwritten notes another great app is good notes um i don't use good notes um that much just because the inking I'm, I'm this sounds nerdy but just it doesn't feel as good writing with it the inking just doesn't um gel with me as well but when i do 
sometimes you guys probably know this. Sometimes when I'm doing drafts of the book or, you know, scenes, I do handwritten versions. I now do handwritten versions in good notes. Uh-huh. Uh, and the reason I do that, number one, to keep it separate from my everyday notes. Um, so things don't get um, all messed up and confusing for me. But also because in GoodNotes, uh, you can export the handwriting to text. So if I write a scene, I don't have to retype it. I can export it to text and just bring it right into Scrivener. How good of a job does it do uh, uh, with the, the, the recognition of the text? Incredible. Really? Huh. Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Uh, this is, I don't even know how it does this. Because um, you can search using their OCR as well. So you can search your handwritten notes and good notes. Uh, it can read cursive. That's amazing. I don't know how it does it because cursive is so individual and crazy. Um, it's it's incredible. Um, so when it comes to printing, it's pretty much dead on. It makes the one I thought the one in Evernote was good. It makes the one in Evernote look like a joke. That's funny because yeah, that's the that's the reason I stopped using it in Evernote was because it would get just enough wrong that I, I had to spend more time to edit after the fact. Yeah, GoodNotes is, is is probably the best handwriting OCR I've ever seen. Nice. Um, up, up there with OneNote. OneNote was actually, is, is actually very good, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I don't use OneNote for anything, even though I love the idea of being able to put down text in OneNote and then just write on top of it with a pen and not to have them in separate blocks. A lot of these apps will separate what you can draw with the pencil and what you can type um, into separate places. Apple Notes does it. It just attaches it as an image file. Evernote does the same thing. Um, it's frustrating. You should just be able to do the two of them together. OneNote does that. OneNote inking is just terrible. There's no inking. There's no pressure sensitivity. It's just line. Mm. So th- that's the thing. A lot of these apps have... Um, uh, good notes and notability have really good pressure sensitivity. Um, the best pressure sensitivity I've seen for writing is actually in paper by 53. So that's a really great app if you want to do some hand lettering. Yeah, I love that app. <laughs> I've, I've played around with that a little bit. Hand lettering is difficult. That's a really cool thing to play around with. Sure. So that's all I have to contribute. If you have any more questions, shoot them out. If not, um, let's close. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I will say... Uh, uh, going way back um, to what we were talking about initially, which is um, the whole anxiety, stress, and creating the environment thing. Um, I will say invest in good headphones. Um, there's, I, I'm, I'm a huge sound guy, so it might be, it might be important specifically to me, um, but it, it's whether you are a sound aficionado or whether you care that much at all, it's all about um, separating out the rest of the world. Um, so find some noise isolating headphones um, or some in-ear um, earbuds that will allow you to noise isolate. That is really critical to creating that 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 environment. These headphones that we bought for the podcast are really good for this. They don't isolate much. They're well, they're they're noise isolating. They're not noise canceling. Yeah. Um, I can't deal with active noise canceling. It actually makes me nauseous. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I wish I could because there's times when I wish I could just close the world out. But I think what I'm going to get for mobile uses, I, I think I'm actually just going to get the AirPods, man. Yeah, I, I'm pretty close to it, too. I'm thinking about it. And I know that they're not noise um, isolating like we're talking about here. But for walking around, doing the stuff that you need to do day to day, it seems like that's the right way to go for me. 
especially jumping sure. from the iPad to the the iPhone to sometimes the desktop and just being able to do that without having to tell it that that's that's a very powerful tool agreed and apparently the this for a version 1 product uh the AirPods have the highest satisfaction rate of any Apple product so 90 I think it was 97 percent are they still are they still way back ordered <laughs> yeah it takes six weeks Jeez. crazy okay well hopefully you guys enjoyed um at least half of this episode I don't know which <laughs> half um, the techie ones of you probably enjoyed the second half um I hope everybody enjoyed the first half because I feel like um that stuff and the privacy stuff we talked about are two of the most important things um the iPad is just incidental in the sense that it's a tool. Um, it's a tool that I'm appreciating, I'm enjoying, um, but the other ones are far more valuable. And I hope you guys put a lot of thought into those things. Uh, Lamb, any words of wisdom? Huh. Um, wow, it's, it's, it's hard to, to narrow that down considering how many different twists and turns we've taken in this episode. Um, I guess the final thought for me um, is... is um, create positive brain space for yourself and that will in turn create positive habits. Um, don't solve the symptom without solving the problem. Um, it's not just enough to say that you should think positively about the things that you do. Um, it's more, it's more apt to say, think positively in general. Um, and to add Chad's thing about being grateful and generous and, 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 and making sure that you maintain that as well is very, very important to keeping that mindset. So don't just think about your task positively, just think positively. And then from there, um, you'll be surprised at how many things kind of naturally solve themselves. And uh, what I would add too is after this long talk about the iPad and um, going back to one thing you said earlier, the tools that you pick are important, um, but don't obsess over them at the same time. Um, you might not need a $1,000 uh, tablet. Think about what your needs actually are and find the thing that fits the needs. Um, don't get caught up in the consumerist ideals. Just because I think the iPad Pro is great and it works well for me, uh, it might not be the device for you. It might not be the thing for you. Maybe paper and pencil is all you need. So keep that in mind too. What's important is that you guys are out there making things, you're doing things, making the world a better place, becoming better people. Everything else is incidental. So please do us a favor. Uh, go on to iTunes, rate and review us. I know it's annoying. We need it. It's important. It will help this show grow, and it will help us stick around. Um, just like we're worried about all these apps disappearing, you guys don't want us to disappear. So we need iTunes reviews. If you do it once, then you will never have to do it again. That's a nice way to think about it. Also, you can follow us on Instagram, and I'm on Twitter, um, the Real Chad Hall for both for me. The Vacant Room for Lamb on Instagram and No Bad Pars for his podcast. Um, you're on Twitter with that too, right? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. No Bad Pars for everything, basically. And follow our solo podcasts, uh, the No Bad Pars podcast for Lamb and what I want to talk about for me. And until next time, we love you guys and we hope that this was as good for you as it was for us. Oh!